Welcome to the Class of the Little Sass podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Millspaw, best-selling author and award-winning motivational speaker with over 20 years in the personal development industry. I believe that the more you know, the more you grow. With each podcast episode, I will educate and empower you, girlfriend to girlfriend style, on how to create a happy life from motherhood guidance, career and business advice, to feeling confident in your relationships and everything in between. This is Real Talk Radio. Let's jump right into today's episode. Welcome back, my friends. Today, we're going to talk about toxic relationships and how to know if you are actually in one or not. And I just want to remind everyone, the reason why I do these podcasts is relationships, clearly. Um, but the most important one I'd like to focus on is your relationship with yourself, the re- relationship that you have with your creator, with God, the relationship you have with others, whether it's career, a coworker, partner, love partner, re- you know, husband, spouse, friend, family member, your neighbor, the girl at church, you know, think about it. It's a lot of things and relationships aren't just love or romantic relationships. Okay. Relationship with your child. There's a lot of them that cover this umbrella that we're going to talk about today. And I want to give you tools. So you're empowered as a woman to lead your life, lead your career, lead your relationships, lead to a very healthy, balanced relationship with yourself and with others. That's the key. And if you find these podcast episodes helpful in any way, share them. Don't hoard them. I always say share it. Be sure to share it um, with your friends, anyone else going through anything. It's great to overcome obstacles in life, but that's when we get permission to share others our tools and what worked for us so that they can also overcome any challenges in their life. That's why we go with what what we do. That's why God takes us through these weeds at times and and what feels like the valley and the wilderness. And you're like, can I just get to that mountain peak, please? And once you get past it and you've gone through the fire, our job is to go and look behind us. Who else needs help through that particular obstacle? Who else needs their hand held through that process? And I believe truly that things happen to me for a reason. And it's for me to learn from it, heal from it, share from it. We all can gather so much insight and wisdom by sharing each other's stories. And if you don't have a podcast and you're thinking of of doing that, gosh, reach out to me. I'd love to walk you through that process. I've helped so many already kind of get their personal brand, their voice heard, get that leadership kind of stance online in the business world and help them publish books. I've helped so many clients over the years. It's just been such a blessing, truly. So reach out to me love to get you out there. So let's dive right in. How do you know if you're in a toxic relationship? And again, this isn't just love partners. Many of you know, very recently, and this is pretty deep in my, in my upcoming book that's about to be published. Stay tuned. Chapter six, I talk about permission to be single and why God sometimes takes people out of our life. And I always state that rejection is God's protection and redirection. 
There's always a reason why those doors close. And a lot of them are because the relationship's toxic. I've worked with my share of toxic bosses, um, boyfriends. I've not really had too much in the family sense. I had an, my ex-mother-in-law could be somewhat controlling and manipulative. I had to navigate through that. Um, but it's how do you know if it's a toxic relationship or if it's just a personality conflict and getting really clear on what that looks like. Because maybe there's just that some that one person at work that rubs you the wrong way. Or you go on a date with a guy for a couple dates in and you're like, something's just off and I can't put my finger on it. And maybe it's just a personality conflict, which I want you to be open-minded to. Or if you have problems with all relationships, maybe you are the problem. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm encouraging you to take a step back and take some self-awareness questions, steps, just kind of going, well, what's going on here? Maybe it's me. And, you know, again, the relationship with yourself is so important before you even try to have relationships with others. You should always go inward. And the better you know yourself, the better you can understand others. I love the journey of personal personal development. I've read so many books. One, of course, I've mentioned before is about attachment styles. It's called Attached. Literally, that's the book. You can find it on Amazon. I can link it in the show notes. I highly recommend it. I learned so much about me. I learned why I was attracting certain types of men. And again, if you're an empath like me as well, again, go deep. What does that mean? What am I attracting? Who am I in a relationship? Why do I need so much alone time? Why do I push people away? Or maybe why do I grab onto people for dear life as if if they leave me, I will possibly die. I'll just shrivel up and die. So it's so important to learn these pieces of who you are, how you react in a relationship before jumping to conclusions that maybe it's toxic. And I've had my share. I have dated a few narcissists. I have worked for a narcissist. I've worked for a couple now that I think about it. And the sneaky ones are the type that are the covert narcissists. And I'm going to go a little deeper in that so that you cannot be caught off guard as well. We've all heard of the typical overt narcissist, which is that grandiose, look at me, I'm the best thing on the planet. No one can touch me. In fact, most of them think, gosh, I'm just too good to even be in a relationship. I don't even know if a girl or a guy is worthy of my time. I'm so amazing. We've seen those types. We can smell them a mile away, right? It's the covert, which means sneaky or hidden or secretive narcissist that will catch you by surprise. And I hope to give you some enlightenment on that today as well. So especially for empaths, you're the target. Narcissists love an empath because we are the exact opposite of them. We are on the polar opposite spectrum of them. We have all the empathy and they have zero. So of course, they're looking for us to be that that faucet that fills them up on a daily basis, that oxygen that they don't have. So let's kind of deep dive into what is a toxic relationship and are you in one? Because girlfriend, I want to help you get out. Okay. I'm not going to just shed light on this. I'm going to give you some tools on how to get out. And again, I'm just going to kind of remind you that the show notes will be full of links, 1-800 numbers, hotline numbers, um, just kind of, again, tools to help you. I'm not here to just appoint you in the right direction. I want to give you some links and tools to, in the show notes to kind of give you a, a guidance and direction. So I'll add some of that in there 
writing a note to myself as I speak. So let's just drive right in. All right. So if you've already figured out your attachment style and you are an empath or you're not, you're, you're one step ahead of most. Because sometimes you're in a relationship with someone or you're working with someone or you just feel like, why do I always feel weird? This person makes me feel anxious. Notice your behavior when you're in their presence. Are you always filled with anxiety? If you know they're coming over and you can feel this anxiety in the pit of your stomach and you're just like, oh, what is that? Don't ignore it. Your inner self is saying, yo, something's wrong here. Your intuition, your, your inner being, whether it's the Holy Spirit or not, is saying, warning, caution up ahead, something's off with this person. You know, it's that same gut reaction when you're in danger. It's the same thing, except for it's emotional danger. And maybe it could be physical too. We'll get into that. So kind of watch your energy around these type of people. How do you feel in this relationship? What does that boss make you feel like when you walk in the door? You're like, oh, thank God they're not in today yet. Or they're not coming in today. Oh, I can take a breath. You know, like that. Watch your behavior, your inner being. How are you reacting to this? If you're dating this guy and you always feel a little worked up right before you see him or you're going to meet him or you know he's going to call you or text you and you're like, oh, you feel like you're on pins and needles or you're walking on eggshells, that term is so relevant. That's a big red flag, friend. Something's wrong. Their energy doesn't match yours or their intentions are not genuine. Okay. Somebody makes you just feel off. There's a reason why you don't want to go all in. If this is a love relationship, there's a reason why you're still kind of on the sideline going, eh, there's just something I can't put my finger on where I don't want to commit to this person. Something's off. I dated a guy for a long time that I would get the anxiety. I would just pull up to his, to his house and just going to the gates of his neighborhood. I wasn't even to his house yet. My stomach would immediately go into, um, just that pit of feeling like I ate something wrong. (laughs) I feel sick. Why do you feel sick around this person? But at the same time, you're like, but I love them, but yet I feel sick. You know, I did that for four years, that dance with this person, silly Carrie, the the Carrie that didn't work on herself yet, but grateful that I have since then. So what else is showing up? Some kind of um, behaviors. Do you not trust this person? That's a big sign that you could be in a relationship with someone toxic. If there's no trust, is there even a relationship? You know, like, let's be real. What the heck? (laughs) How far can you go? If you don't trust this person, you don't trust what they're saying is truth. You don't trust that what they're looking at on their phone is what they say they're looking at. You don't trust the phone call they just received. You don't trust them when they're not near you. You don't trust them when they are near you. Is that really a relationship? No. I mean, there's there's just so many reasons to, to leave. Again, is it really, really that important? I mean, that ruins a relationship in a heartbeat. I've been with men that cheat and it's just, there's nothing left. There really isn't. I don't even know how people do that. How do you heal that wound? I mean, it takes a lot to go and repair the damage of distrust There's that saying that it takes a lifetime to trust people. It's earned, but it takes five seconds to lose it. All in one simple action or one simple statement can make you instantly watch that trust that you have created and earned over the years just go right down the drain. 
it's over. It's over. So that could be a sign. Take a look at your relationships. Do you not trust that person? Now let's go into another red flag of, am I in a toxic relationship? What does that look like? Is there hostile communication? Is there a constant need to raise your voice, defend yourself? Do you feel like you're in fight or flight mode all the time? Do you feel this, oh great, here comes all the texts, blowing up your phone, blowing it up, blowing it up. All of the words that that emotional verbal abuse is the worst. Because those words just kind of burn. You're reading them, they burn into your system. Emotional abuse doesn't heal like a physical abuse, not writing anyone's abuse methods here. None of them are right or correct or better. But emotional abuse just stings and lasts longer. You hear those words or you see them over and over and over in your head where the physical abuse, those bruises do eventually heal or cuts or whatever. Again, neither one is better, but some just take longer to heal. So look at the hostile communication. If it's not a normal tone, if it isn't a, a give and take, listen and and in hearing, you feel heard in that relationship. Or is it one-sided all the time? That person's always taking all the communication and talking and conversation. You're just listening all the time. You never feel heard. You never get to share your side of the story. That I consider to be hostile communication. Is this person saying words that hurt? Or is it healthy? Choosing your words carefully. Caring how they land on that person's heart, mind. I worked for a boss that would stomp around and scream and yell. That is a toxic relationship. Unfortunately, when you're employed by someone like that, they have all the power. You can take it back. You don't have to stand for it. You can look for a new job or you can stand up for yourself and say, I don't appreciate your tone. Can we make this a little more professional? If you have to get your human resource department involved or someone above that person, that's an opportunity to shift things in my, in my, um, environment at the time she was the CEO, it was really, really hard to go above her. The person above her was the founder. He didn't care. He just wanted the job done. So that's when I left, created an exit strategy. You get to choose to leave, take the steps to own your space, take back your power. If those steps don't work, you're in a toxic relationship. You need to find the exit strategy quickly. Here's another red flag that you're in a toxic relationship is the behavior controlling, manipulative. Are they telling you when and where you can go, how you need to act, who you can talk to, who you can be around, what kind of career or job you can have? Again, if if this is a boss, if it's within limits, you know, like, yes, I need to be at the office by eight. That's not a controlling behavior. These are the rules to stay employed. Maybe they have certain professional attire you need to wear. That's not a controlling behavior. That is their, their professional rules. These are their control. I don't know. I can't even think of the word. I've been out of corporate for so long. (laughs) This is their dress code. They've got reasons for this. So controlling behavior looks like something like this. Okay. It can also be manipulative and you don't even know it's being controlled. For example, you're in a love or romantic relationship and you want to go out Friday night to hang out with the girls. 
It's your girlfriend time. It's your happy hour time. You're looking forward to it. You mentioned it to your boyfriend. I'm going to go meet up with the girls around five. I'll text you when I'm done or I'll text you when I'm on my way home or whatever that looks like. What? You're going out with them again. You're always going out with them. That one girl, and they name a friend of yours. She's always talking negative about me or she never has nothing nice to say. I don't think you should really hang around them. I don't like how you behave and you're around them. Or I think they're a bad influence. Now, this particular romantic partner didn't say, I don't want you to go out with your girlfriends. Instead, they're just trying to pull at you instead. Or I was really looking forward to seeing you tonight. Why are you going out Friday? I thought I told you I want to go out. And it, this is a repetitive pattern. Not a one-time thing. That's a controlling behavior. This is someone that is looking to manipulate you. When we're in relationships, I just want to remind you, girlfriend, when we're in relationships, this is supposed to be an enhancement to your life. It's supposed to add more joy to your life. It's supposed to be the cherry on top, the frosting, the sprinkles of what you already have. You're already a cake, a cupcake, whatever you want to call it. Now you're looking for sprinkles. You're already perfect, whole, and complete because you are loved by God. You are a child of the King. You are amazing all by yourself. This relationship doesn't need to add anything or take away, but it's nice if it's an enhancement. Someone to hold your hand, support you, control, not control you. Support and control are two different things. You want someone that's going to lift you up and make you even better than you already are. That's what relationships are for strengthen you, support you, encourage you, not tear you down and shrink you away where you don't even have any friends left. That's controlling behavior. A, con a loving relationship is going to be, honey, you have fun. Oh my gosh, go out, have fun. Are you going to wear your new shoes? Yeah, you should wear your new shoes. This is a perfect excuse to get those new shoes out of the closet and text me when you're ready or if you need a ride or if you just miss me. That's it. Simple, easy. I'll be here, hun. Text me if you need anything. Have fun. You deserve it. You've had a rough week. That's the ideal relationship. Not controlling. And it goes back to number one red flag, lack of trust. If you, they don't trust you, why don't they trust you? Are you the problem? Sometimes that controlling behavior, not sometimes, it is. It's insecurity. I'm afraid you're going to leave me. I'm afraid you'll find someone better. I don't want you out of my sight because I don't trust you. I don't want you to have too many friends because they might tell you what a horrible boyfriend I am. Huh. That's a big one. Don't go hanging around your family. They don't like me. Well, why don't they? You know, do some research. I'm just throwing some stuff out there for you to do your own homework and research what's going on in this relationship of yours. Is it healthy? Is it toxic? Okay, let's look into another red flag that you might be in a toxic relationship. Or, you know, a spotlight. <laughs> Could be both. Is there frequent lying? Have you caught your partner in a lie or a coworker? Or, gosh, I really don't trust a coworker that if you, you hear what they did that weekend and then they turn around and look at their other coworker or boss and say a totally different story. Yeah, that person I would keep at arm's length. Frequent liars, constantly lying. You're catching them in lies. Like something doesn't add up. You said one thing to me and now I just saw you tell your friend something different. Which one's the truth? 
Who's getting the real person without the mask? Watch out for those frequent liars, not flyers, liars. <laughs> Clearly, they don't know the difference between truth and lie. You know, I would just, there's something in your gut, women. We've got this intuition. You cannot ignore it, especially as if, if you're empathic. You can feel when someone's lying. You might not know what the truth is yet, but you're like, this feels like a crock of shit. <laughs> Let's just be real. I'm feeling the bullshit factor big times getting dumped over my head. You know it. It is what it is. I got to call it out. You know, it is what it is. BS doesn't sounds too fluffy. You got to call it. If somebody's giving you a crock of you know what, your gut will tell you something's not right. Either you're lying to me or you're lying to me. <laughs> something, something just feels off. Beware of those people. That's a toxic person because you never know what's true. You'll never know what's true. I go back and forth, um, you know, especially people, and this is a little bit of a sideline here, but it's the people that are always talking about someone else, gossiping. You, you'll see some a family member leave the room and as soon as they leave, oh, I have to tell you blah, 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 blah you know, about this person. I don't, I have a hard time trusting people that are nonstop gossipers. Or it's like, well, what are you saying about me as soon as I leave the room? Because you know they're doing it to you too. Let's be real, okay? So watch out for those frequent liars. What's another one? Number five, toxic relationship red flag. All take, no give. Are you with a taker? You see those people take, 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 take. I call them drains because they're constantly draining you which leads me into red flag number six, you always feel drained. They're kind of tied in together. There's takers, there's givers. And takers sounds a little bit more harsh than learning to receive because a lot of us women have to learn to receive. It's not about, oh, thank you for the flowers today. There's these takers that will just take your energy, not just your money, not just your time, but they take your energy. You know who I'm referring to. You've got some in your life. They're always wanting a hand out. Can you help me with this? I really need you to help me. My job, I don't really know what I'm doing here. Can Do you have like an hour or two of free time? Please call me when you get a chance. Uh, it's like, what now? My last relationship was this way. It was super draining. I need your help with my job. I need your help with my move. I need your help with this. I can't do anything on my own. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you just sit by me while I'm working? Literally, yes, this happened recently. Sit next to me while I do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I've not got anything better to do, like my own company to run, <laughs> my own job to do, my own life to live. Why do you need your hand held so much? These people are manipulative. There's so many takers out there. Make sure you're not one of them too, okay? Um, the relationship I was in a while ago, about a decade ago, I felt like I'm always paying for everything. Talk about a taker. He loved a free ride. And I had some friends like this too. Look out for them. That's toxic. If they are always making you drive, and I'm not just talking to the store and back. I'm talking about to the next state or the road trip. They're not pitching in for gas. They're not pitching in here or there. And they're always looking for this free ride. 
escape that relationship. Just cut it off. Done. This isn't even about boundaries because those type of people don't know boundaries either. They tend to ignore your boundaries. Constantly taking, 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 taking. Or you feel like, gosh, you're just looking for the next person to use. I'm just this person to use. That's all I am to you. Just nonstop taking. It could be your time, again, energy, your advice, nonstop needing, have a need, always, always, always. To the point where you're just like dread their phone call, dread their text. Please don't reach out to me. What do you want? If that's your first thought when you see their text pop up on your phone, what do you want now? That, my friend, is a toxic relationship. If you're having a great day and you're like dreading calling them back, it's going to be something, something negative. My friends, that's a toxic relationship. If it's give and take and they're helping you and they're there for you and they're offering to drive and they're offering to pick up the tab, that's different. That's a real relationship. Give and take is a relationship. All take and no give is a toxic relationship. Again, watch your energy. If you're feeling exhausted every time you're around this person or drained or just literally feel like I need two days to recover from that person every time I see them, that's a toxic relationship. And as an empath, again, I have to always hold hands with my empath sisters out there and give you props. If you're feeling this way, maybe you need to cut them off too. You need to watch your energy around them. Are you being supportive or are you literally immersing yourself into their life? Because as empaths, we have an sometimes this natural default to jump right in and make their problems our problems. It's better to just observe from the sidelines, offer advice, and walk away. Not my circus, not my monkeys, not today. <laughs> That's your burden to carry, not mine. And there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't make you a bad friend, sister, lover, whatever you are to this person. It's knowing when it's your burden to carry and when it's your time to just say, yes, I need, I can help you here. This is my advice. And then leave. It's not your problem. Don't pick it up. Don't pick up that burden. Don't you do it. It's not yours. And I'm not referring to like the situation I'm in right now. I need help moving. <laughs> and I think I've got it all rallied up with some volunteers, but it's not like, oh, I can't ask for help here and there. That's different, a favor here and there. I'm talking about everyday life problems becoming yours. You're taking on their whole problems, all of them, every day. That, my friends, is a to toxic relationship. Now, here's another one that's going to sting a little bit, but you've got to look inward. This is the seventh red flag that you're in a toxic relationship. You got to be real, girls. Admit to this. Are you making excuses for their behavior? Ouch, right? You're like, crap, maybe I am. I, I, I did it. And my last relationship was like, well, his, his childhood was so bad. He was so abused. Gosh, how can anyone survive that? That is not okay. There's too much opportunity out there and too many resources and tools to get help, healing, therapy. If someone's still in their victim story, ask them why, especially at age 51. Why are you still in that? Why haven't you overcome it yet? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you healing? Why aren't you on a path to becoming better? Nothing looks better than turning that victim story into a victor mindset. 
why are you still there? I don't trust those people that are still in it after all these years. And I'm not talking about just sharing your story, which I do all the time of what I've overcome, what's behind me, what's in that past. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me now today. It's not a part of my reality today. It's not in my present moment, but ultimately that's the beauty of it. I've overcome it. But if people are still there, well, I'm this way because my mom at age four did this to me. But how old are you now? So don't make excuses for people's behaviors. Well, my mom's this way because of that. Or my dad's this way because of that. My sister, she's just always going to be this way. It's just who she is. If you find yourself doing that, you're excusing behavior and you're allowing yourself to be a part of this toxic relationship when you should be putting up boundaries. And yes, I'm pointing at y'all right now. I'm literally pointing my pen. <laughs> Good thing this is a video. It would come across very accusatory and judgmental because I have been there. I have to point at myself too. I've been there. Well, you know, they've had this hardship. This girl was raped at four or five. Yes, we've all had something happen to us. You're living. If you unscathed through this life without a hair on your head damaged in some way or another, I am in shock. Reach out to me. But we've all overcome something. We've all had something dysfunctional in our childhood. We've all had something dysfunctional in our relationships, in our family, in our dating life. With our, We've all had our heart broken. Raise your hand, y'all. We've all been somehow, some way disappointed through life whether it's a teacher, a boss, a coworker, a relationship, a romantic relationship, a sibling, someone has hurt us along the way. We can choose to stay there or we can choose to grow from it and heal. And if you're making excuses for their behavior, you're creating more toxicity. You're actually enabling this person to never grow up and be better. Don't. You're teaching them that they can use that as a crutch too. I highly recommend you do not make excuses for their behavior or yours if you've not taken the time to heal yourself. So those are the seven red flags that you're in a toxic relationship. Okay. Any of them resonate. You don't have to check all seven, but let's get really clear. Where is this going? Is this healthy? Is this what you really want? Do you think, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to find better, Carrie. I mean, or I'm stuck with this person. This person's my mom or your sibling. And yes, there's ways to work around that. Or you're maybe you're in this relationship because you're co-parenting still with this particular person. You've got kids with them. You might be separated now or divorced, but you still need to somehow work out a happy medium because you've got kids together. There's drop-offs and pickups and sporting events and graduations and maybe one day a wedding and so on. It's okay. There's ways around it. There's healthier ways to cope, create the boundaries, limit your time, limit your time around them. Keep, keep communication short and succinct to the point, pick up kids at seven. See you there. We'll be at the park done. You don't need to be besties. Do what you can to keep the peace though, for your children's sake and keep going. If this is a job that you're in, do what you need to, to make sure that you stick up for yourself in a very professional way and encourage others to stick up for themselves. Again, always take back your power. Don't allow your boss or coworker to, to just, you know, 
drive right over you, literally plummet you with stuff, you have every right to stand up for yourself. Um, I'm going to derail a little bit with a fun story. My daughter's boyfriend recently got a job and he loves cars, mechanical stuff. He's just born to work on cars. He loves them. So I'm like, you know what? If you enjoy it so much, get a job doing that. So, you know, it's one of his first jobs and he's getting along great with the bosses and everyone loves him and he's doing amazing. Super proud of him. He's, they've been together four years. I feel like he's also my one of my kids. So he comes home and he tells me, you know, um, on this first week there, that one particular man that's been there seven years. Now he could be a little intimidated and not want to stick up for himself, but I'm proud of him that he did because this particular coworker is a lot older than him and kept referring to him and the younger, um, younger employees there around his age. They kept calling him faggot, kept calling him a retard, you know, probably doesn't even realize he's saying these words. He's an older man. He's probably just stuck in his way, but there's me making an excuse for their behavior, which is something I need to work on. But just to kind of paint the picture, my daughter's boyfriend, didn't see it that way. He saw it as, I don't want to work with this person. I don't have to take this. Why do I want to feel like crap about myself all day long while I'm working? This is dumb. So he took the manager who hired him and said, I, in his professional way, I don't appreciate how he makes me feel. He's calling me these names all day long. Can we not work together? He didn't say you need to fire this guy. He just said, how can I limit my exposure to this toxic person because sometimes that's all you can do you know he's a brand new employee this guy's got seven years seniority this is an intimidating stance that he took and what's beautiful is it worked in his favor i'm really proud of him he said i don't want to be exposed to this person can we limit my exposure so that manager agreed to limiting time working with him and working on projects with him to kind of keep them at bay. So yes, they should probably let a person like that go. That's insubordination. Well, to an extent, it's not like he's calling the boss this, but what a toxic work environment for a person, even though he might be great at what he does, but he doesn't teach his, or he doesn't treat his team with respect. And I get it. It's a mechanical type of job. Again, me with them excuses. They're different. This is not a white collar corporate setting that I'm used to where you don't dare say anything negative to each other. It's just not called for. It's instant, instant termination. So kudos to my daughter's boyfriend for sticking up for himself and creating a more healthier work environment. Literally at the first week, in the first week, he took the risk of getting, sorry, you're screwed. He's been with us longer than you. Who are you to come at us? with this, you know, intolerable behavior, but he didn't, he got a positive result. So I want to just, if, if my 19 year old, maybe someday future son-in-law can stick up for himself in one of his first jobs on his first week, you can too. I hope you're inspired by that. I was, I wanted to share that. Um, it's important to take back your power in these toxic relationships. You need to know who you are. Just own it. Now, I mentioned in the beginning how to signs of a covert narcissist, and I really, really want to give you these little tips because they're the sneaky narcissists, not the type that we're used to seeing. And I don't want you to get taken 
like I did. I was in a six-month relationship with one, and I always knew something was off. I felt it in my gut. I never wanted to commit. I was angry all the time. I would vent to friends and family members about him. My poor daughter would hear about him. He drove me crazy, and I don't know why I stayed, to be honest. I felt like, well, maybe he can get help. I'm always helping people. I'm a typical empath. Maybe I can point him in the right direction. Maybe my church, maybe he can find Jesus. And that's kind of what kept me because I did break up once and then found myself right there again because he was he was learning my behavior. I was teaching him what I was looking for in my, my next husband. And he was doing his best to groom me to be wife number five. Because <laughs> every girl wants that, right? <laughs> ah, if you could see my face. Um, that's complete sarcasm. So how do you spot these types? Because I've worked for them too. And they're good. They're really good at just rolling this garbage over on you. Um, just a clause here. There's no fixing narcissistic behavior. There's no fixing a relationship with a narcissist. And there's only one way to work with them. Leave. Just leave. They're not even worth your time. They're never going to get help. They're never going to change. They can manipulate change, but it's just not worth it. They're empty vessels walking around without souls. They're tools of the devil. And I know it sounds so harsh, but it's the truth. You can, don't even take my word for it. I'll insert links in the show notes so you can talk to and listen to masters on this topic. People that have immersed themselves in this type of relationship, psychologists, people with doctorate degrees, don't even take my word for it. I will link in the show notes to doctors that have attempted to try to work with them. And now they just teach you how to leave, teach you the signs, teach you the exit strategy. I will link those in the show notes as well. I have a couple favorite doctors in that particular realm of conversation. So how do they get us? Well, they have superficial charm. They're very charming. But a covert generally comes across very insecure, which throws us off, guys. We're like, wait a minute. I thought that narcissists were like really proud. No, not the covert kind. They come in real, real insecure and they want to, they will immediately, step one is to pull you into their victim story, get you to feel sorry for them. That's their first tactic feel bad for me. I'm look at all the toxic, you know, or the, all the toxic relationships I've overcome. I'm on four failed marriages and three kids. I can't, haven't been able to even see, they won't even let me see them. So watch out for that victim story. And you'll know it because it's not just sharing a story and moving on. It's a story you'll hear every time you're together. It's like a broken record. Oh my goodness. Again, we're talking about this again and again and again. So that's a sign. Okay. Are they attention seekers? Are they constantly wanting all of your attention? When they're, if they're a narcissist, my friends, it's because they need your constant validation. They are empty souls. You are their oxygen. As soon as you look away for five minutes and focus on something else or someone else, they're going to do whatever it takes to get your attention back again. No, no, no. You don't get to go take a nap. No, no, no. You don't get to go have fun with your friends. No, 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 no. Back to me. Everything's back to me all the time. They constantly need your validation, your energy. I know it's sad. It's truly sad that these people exist. Because one thing I've learned 
from NPD, which is narcissistic personality disorder, is that it is a disorder. They're not born this way. They're made. Life makes these people. And it's sad. But don't get caught up in the sad story because you won't have a story. They will suck the life out of you. There'll be nothing left of you. Think of it as an empty vessel that needs yours to fill it every day, every second of the day. I always say you can't pour from an empty cup. They will not let you refill your cup long enough to pour from it. They need you nonstop. You're running on fumes. My dear sister, run. Run, 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 run. I don't care if the good is good. When the bad is the bad, the bad will always supersede the good. It will always outweigh the good. There will be nothing left of you. They will not let go until you are in a mental hospital, questioning your own sanity, have zero dollars in your bank account or negative dollars. Um, you won't have anything left to give. They will suck you dry of everything you have. Your personality, they will start to manipulate and take over your personality. They will become you because they don't have anything. Think again, they're the black hole. They're an empty vessel. They're scary people to be around. Run. And if you can see the signs early, run. I'm grateful it was only six months. I mean, I saw it after about two dates in. And then I'm like, eh, maybe. And I just kept going. And that's on me. I thought this person could be helped. I saw signs of need for self-help and growth and counseling and therapy. Everyone in my mind has an opportunity to become one again and become whole again. Not one, but become whole again with Christ. I will always have that mindset. But when a narcissist enters your life, there's no way around that. They're warriors for the devil. I know I sound cold. Believe me when I tell you this. Believe me, because I'm looking out for you. What else is a sign of a covert narcissist? They lack reliability. Do they change jobs every five seconds? Do they have any friends? I mean, take a look at their inner circle. Do they have any friends? Have they already burned through every bridge of friendship, past bosses, relationships? That's a big one. If they don't have anybody but you, why? Why is that? Why has everyone else already ran for their lives? Look at that. That's key. Why are they getting cut off from other people and other relationships? Why is it? In my situation, why would their own children not want to even be around them? Why is the court's even saying he cannot be around his children. There's a reason. There's got to be a good one somewhere. Big red flags, right? Big, 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 giant neon signs. Is this person manipulative? Because covert narcissists are really good at being manipulative because they're very passive aggressive. That's a key to manipulation. They also like to um over uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Blame shifting. They're really good at the blame shifting. Why, why are you coming at me with, with all these things I've done to you? How dare you say that? They get mad at your disrespect and how you react to their disrespect. Does that make sense? Think about that. That's the key to manipulation. And I've said this in other podcast episodes when I've talked about the dating series. If they get mad at you of your reaction to their disrespect, what? You're mad at me because I'm sticking up for myself because you just treated me like garbage? Time out. What the heck's even happening right now? 
That, my friends, is manipulation. And that passive aggressive talk, well, I really would like to see you, but I understand if you got something more important, but I really want you to be there. And I know you're really sick right now, but you know how important this is to me. And I think it would help me boost my career if you would come, but I know you're really sick with a cold, but I understand if you back out, but I think it would do us both a world of good if you go. By the time you're done with that text, you're like, what the hell? My brain is like frazzled from this ridiculous back and forth. What the heck is that? That, my friends, is passive aggressive, manipulative behavior. And narcissists have got it nailed, locked in. You know what's so interesting? It's how cookie cutter they are. So much that once you go on YouTube and you just start to explore this, they're all describing the exact same cookie cutter person. I'm like, how do you know? You've dated the same guy. How is that possible? Or the same girl, because they're male or female or you've worked for the same person I did. How is it that they're so similar? They all have the same traits. It's crazy. And again, narcissists are not born, they're created, they're made. Over time, they're shaped into this personality disorder. It's not like, oh, I was born to be introverted or I was born to be more extroverted. That's different. I can try to be an extrovert, but at the end of the day, I'm still an introvert on the inside. I'm gonna need some time out to to have some breaks from people to recuperate. No matter how much I try to be an extrovert, I'm still gonna need that. Same with an extrovert. They might like alone time and can do a little bit of alone time here and there, which is an introverted you know, type of trait, but at the end of the day, they're gonna get more energy if they're around people all day. They're gonna enjoy that more. They're gonna feel more fired up. You, who, you are who you are, but at the end of the day, again, going back to the NPD, the Narcissistic Personality Disorder, they are created. Life has shaped them into these people. Don't give them an excuse though, right? No excuses, no excuses, just flee. That's the only ex advice I have for you. If you're in a relationship with a narcissist, flee or limit your time with them as much as possible if you cannot avoid fleeing. For example, they're your boss or they're your co-parenting with them. You might have to work around limited exposure to these people. So other signs that this person could be a covert narcissist, there's the the insecurity I mentioned, the self consciousness. They tend to be, sh they tend to work out the shy, introverted. Oh, who am I to do this? Or really, I'm just so so afraid you'll leave me. You're gonna find someone better. And then the victim mindset stories come out, which try to again, they try to manipulate you through this. They will always, if it's a loving relationship or partnership, they will love bomb the shit out of you. They're really good with love bombing all the love notes and the gifts and the flowers and let me wine and dine you let me get the door for you let me oh wake up and there's another card right near you and you're like gosh there's so many cards and presents and what the heck is going on i just met you this is crazy I've never, and the love bombing isn't just with gifts, it's words too. I've never met anyone like you. You're a gift to me. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Oh my goodness, this was so meant to be. And you're just hearing it and hearing it. You're you're so much better than me. I cannot believe I even, you're even dating me. I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed. Oh my goodness, I, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. And now you feel like, wow, I'm on a pedestal. I don't know if this is comfortable or not. I personally don't like it. Some people just eat it up. I don't like to be on a pedestal. That makes me feel like I need to watch everything I do and I can't be human anymore. I need to be Carrie. 
I need to be real down to earth carry. I need to be authentic without a mask. So when you start to put me on a pedestal, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Is there someone in your life that's doing this to you? This is love bombing. And they're really good at it. Both types of narcissists are. Also, are they super defensive? Is the person you're with or around a covert narcissist, are you seeing defensiveness? They have a fragile ego. Oh my goodness, it's so tiny. It's such a fragile little teeny tiny ego that can't even be, don't even breathe on it wrong. Or you will see them become unglued. The littlest bit that you think is constructive criticism will make them just go crazy. Oh no, don't, you did not just tell me that I talk too much about my exes or, or, or anything else that I might be a little bit insecure about. The littlest thing, you don't dare mention their appearance or their behavior. Even if you mean it with love and you're like, look, dude, I just got to call this out. It's the end of the world. You start, next thing you know, they're drinking shots, trying to overcome that little thing you just said to them. They're freaking out, threatening suicide. They have fragile egos, really fragile. Big red flag of a narcissist, huge. They're also super sensitive to what others think of them. They're always paranoid. Someone's always out to get them. Could be their exes, could be their family members, could be their current boss, could be the, the guy at the dealership. It could be anywhere. Someone that just changed their oil, they're out to get me. Could be the cop that just pulled them over. They're so paranoid, constantly looking over their shoulder, constantly freaking out. Do you think I should go back and apologize to someone? So I don't know if they said, I don't know if they took it right. I think she said something that felt like a, a slam and she, I'm, I can't forget it because gosh, I just pissed off my new boss. I'm, what's going to happen now? I'm going to get fired. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. They're paranoid. There's overthinking and there's anxiety and they're a whole, whole nother level above that beyond where you're constantly talking them off the ledge. Like, dude, chill out. It's not that. What were you thinking? I'm pretty sure that we're good. Whoa, calm down. All I said, mentioned was something about your mood swings. Why are you freaking out right now? You look unhinged. What just happened? Super paranoid, super fragile ego. Those are some traits to a covert narcissist. You'll also hear this term gaslighting. If you feel like you lost your mind in this relationship, chances are it's them. They are constantly changing the story, whether it's the past, present, or future constantly shifting, changing things, moving things on you. I didn't say that. That was you. I didn't, I, I didn't cheat on you. You made me cheat on you because you won't give me enough attention. All these really weird, someone feels like they're in the twilight zone. There's a very good chance you're in a relationship with a covert narcissist. And again, could be love relationship, could be a boss, could be a mother, could be anyone in your life. If you feel like you're losing it, start recording messages or starting to record conversations because you feel like something's off. And is it me or them? Because I feel like I'm losing my mind. It goes back to the movie. I believe it's called Gaslit. It's an older 60s movie. It could be called Gaslit, could be called Gaslighting. I don't know. I don't remember and I've never seen it. But a lot of therapists refer to that particular term because it does. It makes you feel like you've lost your mind. That's what they want. You know why? Because when you're in a fog, my friend, you're easier to manipulate and control. And they need to manipulate and control you because you are their life force. You are their life source. Without you, 
they got to go find supply, a new supply. And when I say narcissist supply, think of it as you're, you're their, their, their source of energy. You're their oxygen. They cannot live without you. Literally, they can exist. And they'll generally have more than one supply because they've got to have backup plans at all times, you know, whether it's you plus four other exes they're still talking to, or the new coworkers at work, or the new, in my situation, unfortunately, my new church, my church that I've been going to church, gosh, I've been attending there for nine years. I felt so guilty that I had introduced him to church. I thought, well, maybe he can find Jesus. That's how he got me. Because he know eventually over months and months of dating, they see your traits, your patterns, and like, aha, I know what she's looking for. I'm going to play this role now. This will get her. And they're, they're caught up in their own false story, their false reality, their false narrative. They're pretending all the time to be something they're not. And it will shift and change depending on the audience. I need you to know I'm in a happy relationship, so I'm going to do everything I can to make it look like I'm in a happy relationship. I need you over here, this audience, to know I'm a family man or a family girl, so I'm going to portray how great of a father or mother I am all the time to this audience over here. And to the Christian girlfriend that he had at the time, me, I'm going to portray that I'm a Jesus follower and that I'm a changed man because I found God. That's sad. Sad, isn't it? Sad. These people exist and they're all around us. They're harder to pinpoint and get an actual number of because they don't go get help at therapists. You know, there's no psychotherapist out there that can track this because they're not coming in their door. They don't want help. They don't see anything wrong with their behavior. This is their learned behavior. This is their survival mechanism. Your job, my friend, is to leave as quick as possible, unscathed. Walk away. Give it no more energy. Give it zero energy. So can you fix a toxic relationship? Absolutely. But only if both parties are willing to get help, work on themselves, work on their own personal development and healing, go to a counselor or a therapist together or apart, then it has an opportunity, especially if it's just a personality conflict or maybe your attachment styles are different. If it's an introvert and an extrovert kind of conflict, that's that surface stuff that I mentioned in the beginning. Yes, there is a possibility to make this work. But if you're in an abusive relationship and there is no healthy future, such as physical, emotional, or sexual violence, gaslighting, like I mentioned, isolation, they're trying to cut you off from everybody you know. You, you know, your family members are like, we don't like him. We don't like her. Get away from them. They want to like, oh, you really shouldn't talk to your family anymore. Something's off with them. They're trying to isolate you because you're easier to control that way. You don't have a support system anymore. And if you have an intense fear of what might happen if you actually leave the relationship, it's time to call Seuss. It's time to call a hotline of some sort. Seek help. Please seek help. There's so many opportunities out there, my friends, for you to get help. The, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is available for 24-7 guidance. It's 1-800-799-7233. My dear sisters, it's national, anywhere in the United States. I'll put this in the show notes as well. 1-800-799-7233. Please get help. Involve the authorities if you think you're in any kind of physical danger. I do not want you to 
stoke the fire, especially if it's a narcissist. Narcissists generally are violent. I've never met one that didn't have a violent side. They all have violence inside of them. You push them too far, they will become violent. And I do not want you in harm's way. My goal with this podcast is for you to see the signs and get help or leave. That's all you can do. Be aware of it. Pivot. Learn if you're the problem or they're the problem or both. How you can heal and change or grow. Maybe together or apart. And if it's a narcissistic relationship, my advice is to leave. Leave. And leave as quickly as possible. Jump ship. It's not worth it. It's going to get worse, not better. And I'm grateful I left all of my past narcissistic relationships and all of my past toxic relationships. I see the warning signs. I leave early. I've stayed in them before for years, not knowing what is it me or him or what's going on here. Now I know better. And I want you to know better too, because I love you. I care about you. And Jesus loves you too. You deserve the very best. And if you're the problem, if you're the one that's creating the problems, please get help please see a therapist. Please work on your healing behavior. Please learn to not be so codependent and insecure that you literally drain the people around you. I want you to grow and learn to stand on your own two feet and be a powerful, powerful human being. The whole goal again of this podcast is to lead with confidence. Own who you are. No apology. Love who you are. The relationship with yourself is number one and that has to come first before all other relationships coincide it with your relationship with your creator because he made you they go hand in hand learning who you are in god's eyes i really hope this was helpful again go to the show notes for the crisis hotline number along with many links if you want to keep going deeper Go deeper in learning what your relationship's like, attachment styles, is it that, is it personality conflict, or am I in in a relationship with a narcissist and I don't know how to get out of this? Like, Carrie, you just described the person I've been with for or married to. Now what? I have kids with this person. What do I do? I've got tools and resources for you in the show notes. Please visit there. Big hugs, big love. Don't hoard this episode, y'all. Share it with someone you know and love. Big hugs, big love. See you in the next episode. Hi there, friend. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and double check that you're subscribed or following. And if you've got a quick 30 seconds, it would mean the world to me if you could leave me a five-star review and share what you specifically liked about this episode. 